welcome to this podcast from Adelaide Place Baptist Church. We are a community of disciples, apprentices of Jesus, who live and work in the city of Glasgow, and it's our vision to join God in the renewal of all things. Our discipleship to Jesus is for all of our lives, so as well as listening to this podcast, we'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning, or get involved in one of our missional communities, which are across the city throughout the week. Our prayer is that you encounter Jesus in some way through this podcast. More information can be found at apbc.net. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, For those of you who don't know me or have not met me yet, um, I'm John. I'm one of the core leaders here. And um, because all the talented people are away off on holiday this week, they've asked me to have a chat with you. Um, and it's school holidays this week, so I think there's a bunch of people away, but we've got the, the A-team here today, the, the, the crowd, so it's really nice to see you all. Um, did a lot of readings this morning, and I did that deliberately as a bit of an experiment, because we, um, when, when we, we're taking a break from our series in Genesis right now, and... When we do that sometimes, we come back and we come back to a thing called the lectionary, which is the, the way that the church, the global church, organizes readings for every Sunday of the, of the church calendar. It's a really powerful resource of where we get, where we get you know, what the church is thinking about globally and, and what people are, are, everybody around the world is thinking about some of this uh, today. And often with the lectionary, you go into a lectionary, and there's probably five or six readings in, in every week's lectionary. And as a speaker, you, you go into it and you do a bit of research, and you normally pick one or two of those readings, and you go, actually, let's focus on that one. This time, I had a look at all six readings, and I thought there was a common thread going through them all, which is why I wanted us to hear them all. Because I think there's something in the readings for this week which are all about what is it like to have a relationship with God? What does it look like? What does it feel like? What does it mean for us in our day-to-day practicalities about having a relationship with God? That's a phrase we use a lot. Now, you've heard about it probably a lot, about people saying, yeah, I've got a personal relationship with God um, which is how we probably express it more in our tradition. If you look at other traditions, then you, know, you look at the monastic tradition. For example, you get people like Hildegard of Bingen or Julian of Norwich or Brother Lawrence, you know, the bloke who worked in the kitchens, um, expressing the sense of intimacy with God, and particularly people like Brother Lawrence, that intimacy through practical work and doing doing a day job people like Hildegard or um, Julian of Norwich expressing it through worship and devotion and language like that in the Pentecostal tradition you've got the idea of where people express their love of God and their intimacy with God through their, their expression of how the Holy Spirit works out in their lives and throughout Jewish history you find the way that people express the relationship with God is actually through the relationship with the community of people with God, that sense of being called as a people, as a collective of people. So there's many ways that 
this expression being in relationship with God works out in practical ways. So what does it look like for us? 2022, Glasgow, everyday life, in times that are particularly challenging at the moment, you know, you just got to look at the chaos in the news in the UK, and let alone Ukraine, Iran, other places. It's a challenging year, 2022, and you know, the winter's looking even more challenging. So what do the passages that we've read today tell us about what a real life of relationship with God looks like and feels like? And I think there are three different perspectives and lenses that we've got coming through the passages that we, we, we saw today. The first lens and the first thing to learn God is interested in us and cares for us. I think that's the foundation for all of the, all that we want to look at today. We, we've been singing about God doesn't let, leave us alone. We've been reading Psalm 121 that Jacqueline read. I lift my eyes up the hill. Where does my help come from? It comes from God. And it comes from a God who doesn't sleep or slumber. It's, it's a God who's active, who's persistent, who's willing to lean in and, and be with us. I think there's something about a deep reassurance of that. To be honest, it doesn't always feel like that. And I think most of you who've been through difficult times and challenges, it doesn't feel like God's always there. But I think the reassurance of the Bible is that God is always there. And I think as we come to communion, we're going to remember that central act of this is God's ultimate expression of his love and care for us. And we'll be, we'll be sharing in that in, in, in a few moments. But take a moment, let's take a 30 seconds to breathe and to reflect on that mystery that God is the, is the divine being who loves us deeply who cares for us, who will not slumber or rest in looking after us. Let's take a few moments to let that sink in. The second theme, I think, is, is there something about us connecting with God through the ancient texts that we find in our Bibles? We saw, I think Ellen read two passages um, from Timothy and from the Psalms, which sort of expressed that. In Paul's letter to Timothy, you get the sense that the early church was steeped in these ancient scriptures in the Hebrew Bible. Understanding the centrality of those texts for them in all practical things like Learning, and express that as teaching, it's probably, as a recipient, you'll receive that as learning, um, in course correction and being able to, to change the way that we, we approach things because we've actually experienced God through the scriptures. Um, in training, same sort of thing. How do we learn to do things? How do we learn to act as if God is, is with us, as God is for us? Well, we, we do that through how we interact with the Bible.
And the, the psalm that we read, I, I find that difficult to read that psalm because it says, God, I love your word. I, I love, I'm meditating your scriptures all day long. And oh, hold on a minute, I don't really do that. But there's something about that being an aspiration, something about that being a, a desire that we've got to be in that place where being in the Bible and learning from the Bible and understanding it actually has a practical consequence in our, not just the way that we do things, but also fits into our emotions and gives us, gives us something of an emotional connection with God as well. So I wonder how we're today, how are we using our Bibles in pursuit of that relationship with God? Um, I think there's maybe two ways. And there'll be more, you, you'll, you'll think of them yourselves, but... I think one way is, what's our devotional use of the Bible? I think that's the, the, the expression the psalmist was doing, the meditation on the Bible day and night. There's something about that, that devotional use. Listening, reflecting, emotionally connecting with what's in the Bible, learning, those sort of things. How, how much do we, do we try and do that ourselves? Do we set aside time for just making that emotional and daily connection with the Bible. Um, I personally, I use Lectio 365 because it, it's a really good app for just focusing and helping you to... I don't do the breathing very well on that. Those of you who use Lectio 365, it, it says start off by doing breathing. And I sort of, I, I tighten up at that point, but that's, that's just me. Um, but I think the, the discipline of having something like that where you're reading through something and you're also recognizing you're reading that in community with all the other app users around the world. So there's actually something common that people are doing and the rhythms that we're going through and the way that the, the writers of that app respond to, to events as they, as they come up. I find it really helpful. But there's something about that devotional use of the Bible, getting engaging with the Bible on that daily basis of what's God saying to me today and, and, and pushing that through. And I think that's the grounding. But there's maybe a second aspect. Um, and that's about just getting to grips with the power and the mystery of what's in the Bible. And that's not an easy road. That's not, a, that's not a just open it up and have a skim through it and expect it to behave like magic. There's work involved in that. But it's really interesting work. And I don't know whether you're, um, you know, you could be, you could be a historian, looking at you in there. Um, you could be a psychologist, looking at Les and others around the room. You know, you could be you could be someone who wants to approach it with your musician or something. There's different ways that you can use your personality to approach how you read the Bible. But there's something about just spending that time working through and understanding the way the Bible was written. What's the broad sweep of that? history from creation to fall to redemption to restoration what's the what's the big story in the bible what are the complexities and the twists and turns and things that you go actually hold on that doesn't make sense <laughs> you know, how do we how do we understand that how do we try and wrangle with that and make sense of it um, how do we learn to read ancient literature not as something that's you know read the words and you don't expect to read ancient literature and make sense of them from a 2022 straight reading of it. You've got to understand something of the context 
And I've, I've really appreciated, for example, when we went through Revelation previously and we went through going through Genesis right now, we're actually learning a bit of a mature reading of those words and how they how, how they can speak to us, but we've got to do the work to actually work out what they do, how they do speak to us. So I've got deep appreciation for people like Stephen who are helping us to learn that. And, you know, use books, use podcasts. There's a series of good podcasts around that Stephen's been promoting called The Bible Podcast. Um, they're good for getting into the depth of it. Um, Fiona Stewart is on a podcast called The Outspoken Bible. That's quite a good one for just getting into bits of the Bible and wrangling it. So something as well about doing that in community. You're wrangling through what the Bible means for us in community. So that's the second bit, is thinking about how does the Bible speak to us? How does the Bible help us be in relationship with God and understand God better? And the third one, the third theme, I love the story of the widow and the judge that David read. Um, we can see that, you see, you see this all around us, actually, you just turn on the news and you look at people like Richard Ratcliffe who was doing a hunger strike outside the foreign office um, and in, in order to have his wife released by the Iranians. Uh, you see people who are campaigning for justice for things that have happened to them you know, years and years ago and they're still campaigning for justice. They're still turning up at Parliament. They're still turning up and bashing on those doors you know, that, of the unjust judge in a way trying to seek that justice. Can you see the passion that people have got when they do that? That's the type of parable that Jesus was saying to us. Jesus was saying, behave like that when you come to praying with God. Don't give up. Keep going. Look at those people who have campaigned for justice for X number of years for something. They've not given up. That's the attitude that Jesus is, is promoting uh, for us. That's what he actually describes if you look at the end of that passage. It, he describes it as, where will I find faith on earth? That faith is the widow turning up every day at the judge's house, pestering. It's that getting out of bed and going, okay, I've got to do this again. I've got to do this again. Sometimes our prayer lives need to be like that if we're seeking justice for us or for, for people. There's a persistence, there's a something about just going after God. And Jesus says God's different from the unjust judge. <laughs> That's a good thing. God is just and wants to dispense justice. But he also wants his people to be persistent in asking for that justice. And we see that in the extreme of Jacob. And it's a really strange story and it's a really ancient story, but Jacob wrestling with this person in the middle of the night and the person sort of prevailing and doing something to, to Jacob's hip. And that's always been told as a story of Jacob wrestling with God. Now, I don't know what they're wrestling about. I don't think the Bible tells us what Jacob and God were actually wrestling about. Was it God trying to have his way with Jacob and Jacob resisting? Was it Jacob not giving in on something but how much of our faith is actually 
about this wrestling, our personal wrestling with God? How much does it feel like a wrestling? How much does it feel like we're, we're struggling with something and we really need to persist in that with God? If you look at the rest of the Bible, look at some of the writings of Paul. You know, Paul talks about things like the thorn in the flesh, that he, 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 was, he was really working through with God over a really long period of time. He also talk, Paul also talks about you know, the idea of, you know, I, I do the things I don't want to do and I don't do the things I want to do. That's wrestling. That's struggling with how to put your faith into practice. Even think of Jesus. Immediately after this, Jesus went out into the garden and went, please God, take this cup away from me. I, 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 I don't want to do this. Our faith should be wrestling. It, it, there should be wrestling in our faith. Don't think that because you're wrestling that you've got it wrong. And I think that's some of the message that comes across here. As a quote, there's a, a, a bit of writing I read today from a, a, a pastor called Debbie Thomas from St. Mark's Church in Palo Alto in California. And I think she provides some words of encouragement around this. What all these readings, she's talking about all the readings in the lectionary this week, what all these readings suggest to me is that God delights in those who dare to strive, contend, and wrestle. Wrestling, as it turns out, is not a bad or even a scary thing because it's the opposite of apathy, the opposite of resignation. It's even the opposite of loneliness. To fight with God... To show up day after day in prayer, to wrestle with our resistance in the darkest hours of the night, is to stay close, to keep our arms wrapped tight around the one who alone can bless us. Fighting means we haven't walked away. Fighting means we still have skin in the game. How often do we need to wrestle and plead with God for things that we value? It's not unusual. It's part of that relationship. And again, don't let's fall into the trap of, I've got to fight with God on my own. We're all in this fight. We're all together. And there's something about us wrestling together as a community or being with people who are wrestling and giving support and just holding them up. You know, what... what, Boxing rings, it's different wrestling, but boxing rings, you know, there's people with the sponges. <laughs> are we the people with the sponges that get alongside others in this community or suffering and help them to wrestle and push them back into the ring? Don't push that metaphor too far, but you, you get what I mean. So there's a final passage in the lectionary readings today, which is... From Jeremiah, it's a, remember David read a, chapter, a few verses from Jeremiah last week. This is a chapter or two further on, uh, Jeremiah chapter 31. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them 
I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to one another, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. The ancient world worked through covenants. They're not like contracts. A contract's a bit different. Contracts are about, you know, I'll... I'll pay Bill to repair my house, but if Bill doesn't repair my house, I don't give him money. Sort of, sort of thing. Bill will repair your house. He's good at that. Um, a covenant is much more relational. A covenant is much more like a formal partnership where two people are coming together for a common goal. It's like me going to Bill. Bill, hey, Bill, let's build a house together. And we've both got skin in the game. And we're both working towards it. And we're both going to... Um, going to see it through it's that sort of thing they're they're essentially promises they're they're not a casual if it's convenient I'll I'll, I'll do it but I'm I'm going to make this happen it's that type of promise I'm going to work through with this and it's also a promise that can end up being quite one-sided it's I'm going to make it work through no matter what the person I've made a covenant with does with it so in God's, God's terms, I'm going to be your God. No matter whether you turn around and reject me or not, I'm still going to be there. That's the, that's the aspect of a covenant. It's, it's that relationship. It's that God promising that he will be with his people and he will hold up his side of the bargain no matter what. And this is where we see the covenant coming to play in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And that's why we're doing it through communion. (laughs) Listen to what Jesus, what happened on the the night before communion, before, sorry, night before the, the crucifixion. From Luke 20, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom comes. And he took bread. This one's not pre-cut, sadly, so I can't do the dramatic breaking it thing. But he took bread, he gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And because it was Passover, and you do the wine several times in Passover, they're quite sort of wine-fueled events, Passovers. In the same way, when the supper, he, when, after the supper, he took the cup again and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So what we're about to celebrate in communion is that new covenant 
where God says, this is my part of the bargain. This is what I've done for you. Jesus was saying, I'm about to do this for you. I'm holding up my part of the bargain. That's what we worship this afternoon as we take communion together. So let's pray. Father God, thank you for your side of the bargain. Thank you for your expression of your love for us through the things that you've said, through the covenants that you've set up with us. Thank you that you've given us the opportunity of a relationship to you through prayer, through our, our, our reading the Bible, through our community, working in community together. But thank you most of all for the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Thank you for the way that through that you demonstrated your ultimate expression of love for us. So that our sin can be dealt with. So that we can come to you with open hands and clean hearts. Lord God, we we worship you today. And as we take communion, we remember your death and your resurrection until you come again. Amen.